Random Knowledge, Episode 39, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians. Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians, often shortened to Captain Scarlet, is a British science fiction television series created by Jerry and Sylvia Anderson and filmed by their production company Century 21 Productions for distributor ITC Entertainment. Running to 32 25-minute episodes, it was first broadcast on ITV regional franchises between 1967 and 1968 and has since been transmitted in more than 40 other countries, including the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and Japan. It is one of several Anderson series that were filmed using a form of electronic marionette puppetry dubbed, Supermarination, combined with scale model special effects sequences. Set in 2068, Captain Scarlet follows the War of Nerves between Earth and the Mysterians, a race of Martians who possess partial control over matter. When a misunderstanding causes human astronauts to attack their city on Mars, the Mysterians vow revenge and launch reprisals against Earth. These are countered by Spectrum, a worldwide security organization. In the first episode, Spectrum agent Captain Scarlet acquires the Mysterians' self-healing power of retrometabolism and is thus rendered indestructible, being able to recover from otherwise fatal injuries. In this way, Scarlet becomes Spectrum's top asset in its fight against the Mysterians. Captain Scarlet, the eighth of the Anderson's ten puppet series, was preceded by Thunderbirds and followed by Joe 90 and the Secret Service. In terms of visual aesthetic, it represents a departure from Thunderbirds in its use of non-caricatured puppets sculpted to realistic body proportions. Repeated several times in the UK, it has generated tie-ins from toy cars and action figures to audio plays and original novels, as well as strips in the weekly children's comic TV Century 21. Compared to Thunderbirds and earlier Anderson productions, Captain Scarlet is generally considered darker in tone and less suited to child audiences due to its violent content and themes of alien aggression and interplanetary war. The change in puppet design has divided opinion, while the wisdom of making the protagonist indestructible has also been questioned. However, the series has been praised for its use of a multinational, multi-ethnic puppet cast and depiction of a utopian future Earth. A computer-animated reboot, Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet, was first broadcast in 2005. Plot The series begins in 2068. In the first episode, the crew of the Zero-X spacecraft are investigating the surface of Mars after mysterious radio signals are found to be coming from the planet. The source is discovered to be an alien city, which the astronauts destroy in a missile attack after mistaking a harmless surveillance device for a weapon. The city's inhabitants, the Mysterians, are a collective of sentient computers that possess partial control over matter and communicate in a deep, echoing voice. After using their power of, reversing matter, to rebuild their city, they swear revenge for humanity's unwarranted aggression and declare war on Earth. Also called, retrometabolism, reversing matter enables the Mysterians to recreate people and objects as facsimiles that they can control. This ability is used to wage a war of nerves against Earth in which the Mysterians issue threats against specific targets and then destroy and reconstruct whatever instruments are needed to carry out their plans. The presence of the Mysterians is indicated by twin rings of green light that are projected onto scenes of destruction and reconstruction. Although the aliens are able to influence events from Mars, their actions on Earth are usually performed by their replicated intermediaries. Zero-X mission leader Captain Black becomes the Mysterians' primary agent when they seize control of his mind. Prior to the events of the series, Black was an officer in Spectrum, 
a worldwide security organization that mobilizes its personnel, vehicles and other resources to counter the threat posed by the Mysterians. Spectrum's most senior agents hold military ranks and color codenames and are posted to the organization's headquarters, Cloudbase, an airborne aircraft carrier stationed 40,000 feet above the Earth's surface, where they answer to its commander-in-chief, Colonel White. Cloudbase is defended by Angel Interceptor fighters flown by an all-female team of pilots headed by Destiny Angel, while the base's computer systems are operated by White's assistant, Lieutenant Green. Spectrum also incorporates a fleet of armored Spectrum pursuit vehicles, which are hidden in secret locations around the world, as well as patrol cars, maximum security transports, passenger jet aircraft and machine gun equipped helicopters. Captain Scarlet becomes Spectrum's main asset in its fight against the Mysterians after the events of the first episode, in which the Mysterians attempt to assassinate the world president as their first act of retaliation. The original Scarlet is killed in a car accident engineered by the Mysterians and replaced with a reconstruction. However, after being shot by Spectrum's Captain Blue and falling to his death from the top of a tower, the reconstruction returns to life with the consciousness of the original Scarlet restored and is thereafter free of Mysterian control. With his new Mysterian body, Scarlet possesses two extraordinary abilities. He can sense other reconstructions nearby, and if injured or killed, his retrometabolism will restore him to full health, making him virtually indestructible. As hostilities with Mars continue, Scarlet repeatedly sacrifices himself to thwart the Mysterians, safe in the knowledge that he will always return to face them again. Over the course of the series, it is found that Mysterian reconstructions are especially vulnerable to electricity and can be identified through X-rays, which cannot penetrate their alien biology. These discoveries allow Spectrum to develop two anti-Mysterin devices, the Mysterin Gun and Mysterin Detector. A three-episode story arc focuses on the discovery of a Mysterin outpost on the Moon, its destruction by Spectrum, and Spectrum's efforts to negotiate with the Mysterins after converting the base's salvaged power source into an interplanetary communication device. A failed attempt to survey Mars from space, aborted military conferences and the sabotaged construction of a new Earth space fleet hinder Spectrum's progress in taking the fight to the Mysterians, and the organization twice fails to capture Captain Black. In the penultimate episode, the Mysterians destroy Cloudbase itself, but this is later revealed to be a nightmare dreamt by one of the Angels. The final episode is a clip show that leaves the conflict between Earth and Mars unresolved. Production When efforts to secure an American network broadcaster for Thunderbirds fell through in July 1966, Lou Grade, owner and financial backer of the Andersons production company AP Films, capped Thunderbirds Series 2 at six episodes and cancelled the production. Having overseen APF's work since the making of Supercar in 1960, Grade was keen for Supermarination to penetrate the lucrative American market and believed that a new series stood a better chance of landing a sale than a second series of Thunderbirds. As a result of the cancellation, Jerry Anderson was forced to come up with an idea for a new Supermarination series. He had once been inspired by the thought of creating a live-action police drama in which the hero would have unexpectedly been murdered halfway through the series and replaced by a new lead character. Now giving fresh consideration to this idea, Anderson realized that a major selling point for his new production could be a character who is killed at the end of each episode and resurrected by the start of the next. This, coupled with contemporary theories about the possibility of life on Mars, led to the idea of an interplanetary war between Earth and its neighbor and a worldwide security organization being called upon to defend humanity. After further thought, 
Anderson decided that Scarlet would be a suitably unusual name for this organization's indestructible agent, while his partner in the field could be called Blue. From this, Anderson reasoned that all personnel should have color codenames and that the organization should be called Spectrum. Noting that white light is composed of, and can be broken down into, the colors of the spectrum, he named Spectrum's leader, White. Intrigued by the oft-heard phrase, life as we know it, Anderson wanted to set his alien villains apart from the conventional extraterrestrials of 1960s TV and film. Working from a basis of, life as we don't know it, he made the Mysterians a collective of sentient computers rather than a race of organic lifeforms. The intention was that the original Mysterians were extragalactic beings that established a base on Mars in the distant past before abandoning the planet at the start of the 20th century, leaving their computers behind them. Anderson's recollections of the Second World War provided inspiration for a number of design aspects. For example, he remembered that during the Battle of Britain, RAF pilots had found it difficult to counter German attacks because having to take off from the ground meant that it took a long time to intercept the enemy. He therefore made Spectrum's headquarters, cloud base, an airborne aircraft carrier. According to Anderson, the Mr. and Rings were inspired by a TV advertisement for wool that featured the Woolmark logo being projected onto a woman. Writing and filming, adopting the Mysterians as their working title, Anderson and his wife Sylvia wrote a pilot script in August 1966. This differed significantly from the completed first episode. Originally, it was conceived that the Mysterian reconstruction of Captain Scarlet would be resurrected using an advanced computer, after which he would no longer be a true flesh and blood being but a mechanical man, akin to an android. Another plan, also dropped, was for each episode to feature a guest star, puppet voiced by a famous actor. The world president, for example, was originally intended to be voiced by Patrick McGowan, with Jerry Anderson serving primarily as executive producer. Most of the writing was done by Tony Barwick, who had previously written for Thunderbirds. Originally Captain Scarlet's script editor, Barwick went on to pen 18 of its 32 episodes himself, besides making substantial revisions to other writers' work. Discussing his approach to scriptwriting in a 1986 interview, Barwick compared the premise and characters of Captain Scarlet to those of Thunderbirds, for example, likening Spectrum to the heroic international rescue and the character of Captain Black to recurring villain The Hood. Filming on the first episode, The Mysterians, began on 2 January 1967 after two months of pre-production. The budget for the series was set at £1.5 million. At an average cost of £46,000 per episode, or £2,000 per minute, it was the most expensive Anderson production to date. A month before, Anderson and his colleagues had dropped the name, AP Films, and renamed their company, Century 21 Productions. By the time Captain Scarlet entered production, many of the directors on earlier Anderson series, including Alan Patillo, David Elliott and David Lane, had either left the company or were committed to the production of Thunderbird 6, the second Thunderbirds feature film. Although Lane, Brian Burgess and Desmond Saunders were able to reprise directorial duties for at least one episode each, the Andersons were forced to promote some of the junior production personnel to replace the outgoing directors. To this end, Alan Perry and Ken Turner were promoted from the camera operator and art departments. Other directors were recruited from outside the company, among them was Robert Lynn, who had been assistant director on films including Black Narcissus, Dracula and The Revenge of Frankenstein. Although Saunders directed only the first episode, he stayed with the production as supervising director to guide the new recruits, Captain Scarlet was filmed in a set of converted factory units on the Slough Trading Estate, which had served as Century 21 Studios since the production of Stingray in 1964. Continuing a practice that had started with earlier Anderson series, episodes were filmed in pairs on separate stages to speed up production. 
filming overlapped with that of Thunderbird 6, which was being shot on a different stage. Production design duties were split between Keith Wilson and John Lagayu, the latter being responsible for the technical elements of the sets. The Mr. and Rings were created by panning a transparency of two green circles across the sets using a slide projector, a method suggested by producer Reg Hill. The scale model making and special effects were handled by a separate unit headed by effects director Derek Meddings. It comprised two full-time effects crews and a second unit, responsible for shots presenting flying aircraft. One of the series' technical innovations was that the noses of miniature vehicles would now dip as they came to a stop to imitate the sudden application of brakes on a real-life vehicle. The vehicles were designed by Meddings or his assistant Mike Trim. The former created Cloudbase, the SPV and the Angel Fighter, while the latter produced many of the less prominent vehicles. The Cloudbase filming model, which was six feet long, proved too heavy to be held up with wires so was instead mounted on a pole. Some of Trim's creations, including the Spectrum patrol car, were originally meant to appear in only one episode, but proved so popular with the producers that they became regular features. As production continued, Trim's responsibilities grew, as Meddings was having to devote more and more of his time to the concurrent Thunderbird 6 shoot. When the series began airing in September 1967, principal photography had been completed on the first 20 episodes. The puppet footage for each episode usually took two weeks or 11 working days to shoot. Although filming was originally expected to be completed in eight months, the demands of the Thunderbird 6 shoot meant that it went on until November. Puppet Design Supermarination A technique by which the movements of the puppet's mouths were electronically synchronized with pre-recorded dialogue, was first employed during the production of Four Feather Falls in 1960. In all Anderson series prior to Captain Scarlet, the puppets' heads had been disproportionately large compared to the rest of their bodies as the cranium contained the solenoid that powered the automatic mouth movements. Scaling up the bodies to match the heads was not an option, as the puppets would have become too heavy to operate and there was not enough studio space to enlarge all of the sets. This gave the puppets a caricatured look that frustrated Jerry Anderson, who wanted their design to reflect natural anatomical proportions. Before Captain Scarlet entered production, Reg Hill and associate producer John Reed created a new type of puppet with a solenoid built into the chest, thus enabling the heads to be scaled down to realistic size. After being sculpted in plasticine, the puppet heads were molded on a silicone rubber base and finished in fiberglass. At heights ranging from 20 to 24 inches approximately one-third life size, the next-generation puppets were no taller or shorter than their predecessors. As in earlier series, the main characters were given interchangeable heads with a range of expressions. These included, Smiler, Frowner, and, Blinker, heads. Because episodes were to be filmed in pairs on separate stages, the, expressionless, heads were made in duplicate. Costumes were designed by Sylvia Anderson, who drew inspiration from the work of French fashion designer Pierre Cardinan devising the Spectrum uniforms. Despite their realistic form, the new puppets were harder to animate on set, making the overall design ironically less lifelike than Jerry Anderson had intended. Compared to the Thunderbirds cast, the Captain Scarlet puppets had inferior weight distribution. When standing, characters often had to be held in place with clamps and tape to prevent wobbling. The smaller heads made close-up shots difficult to obtain, and because most of the wires were head-mounted, significantly reduced the puppeteer's level of control, with the result that head movements and other actions became jerkier. To reduce the amount of movement required, characters were frequently shown standing on moving walkways or sitting at moving desks. For example, 
Lieutenant Green operates the cloud-based computer from a sliding chair and Colonel White's desk rotates. Puppeteer Jan King commented, The Captain's Scarlet Puppets were not built to walk. They were too heavy and not weighted properly anyway. It is virtually impossible to get a string puppet to walk convincingly on film unless it is a very caricatured puppet. In Captain Scarlet, if a puppet had to move off-screen, it was done in a head and shoulders shot. The floor puppeteer would hold the legs of the puppet and then move the puppet physically out of shot at the right time, trying to make the body and shoulders move as if the puppet were walking. The under-controlled puppets described by King had no wires and were manipulated from the waist. One advantage of this method was that a puppet could pass through a doorway without necessitating a break in the shot. For shots of characters sitting in aircraft cockpits, variations of the under-controlled design were made comprising only a head and torso. These were operated using levers and wires located beneath the set. Scarlett's appearance has been compared to that of his voice actor, Francis Matthews, as well as Roger Moore. Ed Bishop, the voice of Captain Blue, believed that his character was modeled on him. However, Terry Curtis, who sculpted the Blue Puppet said that he used himself as the template and simply added a blonde wig after he learned that Bishop would be supplying the voice. Curtis, a James Bond fan, based Captain Grey on Sean Connery and Destiny Angel on Ursula Andress, Connery's co-star in Drive No. Lieutenant Green was modeled on Cy Grant, who voiced the character, while Rhapsody Angel was based on Gene Shrimpton, Melody Angel on Eartha Kitt and Harmony Angel on Cy Chin. Prior to Captain Scarlet, guest characters had been sculpted in clay on an episode-by-episode -episode basis. For Captain Scarlet, however, these roles were played by a repertory company of over 50 puppets made to the same standards of workmanship as the regular characters. Called revamp puppets, or just revamps, these puppets were superficially altered for each new role by changing the colors or styles of their wigs, or adding or removing facial hair. Puppets from Captain Scarlet appeared in supporting roles in the final two Supermarination series, Joe 90 and the Secret Service. Response to the puppets the redesigned puppets have drawn a mixed response from crew members and commentators. Some members of the crew believed that the new marionettes lacked the charm of the previous generation due to the natural body proportions that were now being used. Director David Lane recalls that when he first saw the prototype, it was as if there was a little dead person and all balanced one against the other. Sylvia Anderson likened the presentation to that of a comic strip, arguing that the action format came at the expense of the character development. In contrast, Jeff Evans believes the characters to be more detailed than before, arguing that Captain Scarlet was the first Anderson production to give them private lives and real identities. Paul Cornell, Martin Day and Keith Topping praise the writing, judging it, neither as silly as previous Anderson efforts, nor as Poe faced as later ones. In a comparison to Thunderbirds, writer John Peel sums up Captain Scarlet as better puppets, bigger action and a huge step backwards in stories, arguing that the advances in Century 21's special effects were to the detriment of the writing. He compares this to the relative failure of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom following the success of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anderson made the same mistake that George Lucas made, assuming that if the effects were praised in Thunderbirds, the public wanted a show with more effects. Peel also finds fault with Scarlet himself arguing that an indestructible hero who freely risks his safety to foil the enemy served as a poor role model for children and made the episode endings too predictable. Sangster and Condon echo the latter point, writing that Scarlet's abilities weaken the suspense and make him a difficult hero to believe in, considered a cult program by some. Captain Scarlet came 33rd in a 2007 Radio Times poll to determine the greatest science fiction series of all time.
It was ranked 51st in Channel 4's 2001 list show 100 Greatest Kids TV Shows. Cornell, Day and Topping argue that the series is perhaps Jerry Anderson's best production. However, Anderson's own verdict was clear. Nothing was as successful as Thunderbirds. Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians was very successful, but once you've had a smash hit, everything tends to look less successful in comparison. Race, gender and symbolism. Captain Scarlet has attracted both positive and negative commentary on its use of female and mixed ethnicity characters, an aspect that according to Daniel O'Brien gives the series a more cosmopolitan feel compared to Thunderbirds. During its 1993 rerun on BBC2, the series drew some criticism for its use of the codenames Black and White, in reference to the benevolent Colonel White and the villainous Captain Black, which some commentators interpreted as a form of negative black and white dualism. Defending the series against claims of racist stereotyping, Jerry Anderson pointed out that it features heroic non-white characters in the form of Lieutenant Green and Melody and Harmony Angels. Green is the only black male regular character in any of the Supermarination series. For Sellers, the inclusion of Green and especially Melody Angel, a black female character, shows that Captain Scarlet was actually ahead of its time in respect to race relations. He also regards the Angel Squad's all-female composition as significant from a point of view of women's emancipation. O'Brien is less complimentary on this latter point, arguing that while it was progressive for the 1960s, to newer audiences it comes across more as a conventionally sexist male fantasy, the diversity of the characters in terms of race and gender has been viewed highly in academic publications. Bold praises the beautiful, multi-ethnic, female angel fighter pilots, and, secondary roles played by capable women. In a 2003 interview, Anderson noted the effort made to feature ethnic minorities. I think people who make television programs have a responsibility, particularly when children are watching avidly and you know their minds can be affected almost irreversibly as they grow up. We were very conscious of introducing different ethnic backgrounds. Cy Grant, the voice of Green, believed that Captain Scarlet had both positive multicultural value and an allegorical nature. He argued that religious symbolism was implied, with Colonel White serving as an analog for God, Captain Black as the devil and Scarlet as the son of God. The allegory extended to Cloudbase, which represented heaven and was guarded by a fleet of fighters codenamed, Angels. On dualism, he argued, the darkness of the Mysterians is most easily seen as the psychological rift, the struggle of good and evil of the Western world as personified by Colonel White and his team. Dark and light are but aspects of each other. Incidentally, green is the color of nature that can heal that rift. Other media The ATV game show The Golden Shot, hosted by Bob Monkhouse, used Captain Scarlet as the theme for its 1967 Christmas special. Broadcast live on 23 December, the program featured guest appearances from Francis Matthews and The Spectrum. Since its first appearance, the TV series has been supplemented by merchandise ranging from toy action figures to video games. Among the early tie-ins were a series of five audio plays released by Century 21 Records in 1967. Taking the form of a vinyl EP record, each play was approximately 21 minutes long and featured the voice cast from the TV series. Angus P. Allen wrote the first play, introducing Captain Scarlet as well as Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians and Captain Scarlet of Spectrum. The other two, Captain Scarlet is Indestructible and Captain Scarlet vs. Captain Black, were written by his assistant, Richard O'Neill. To mark Captain Scarlet's 50th anniversary in 2017, Big Finish Productions digitally remastered the plays and re-released them on CD. 
The seven-disc set also includes audio adaptations of eight of the TV episodes with narration by Ed Bishop as Captain Blue. During the 1960s, Century 21 granted more than 60 licenses for Captain Scarlet products and released a range of friction drive model vehicles through its subsidiary Century 21 Toys. Meccano Limited manufactured Captain Scarlet Dinky Toys to great success, its SPV was its best-selling die-cast toy of all time and continued to be produced until 1976. Waddington's released a Captain Scarlet board game based on snakes and ladders. In 1993, Vivid Imaginations launched a new range of toys to coincide with the BBC Two repeats. Books and Comics Between 1967 and 1968, Armada Books published three Captain Scarlet children's novels by John William Jennison, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians, Captain Scarlet and the Silent Saboteur and the Angels and the Creeping Enemy. As implied by its title, the third novel features the Spectrum Angels as the main characters. In 1993, Young Corgi Books released children's novelizations of The Mysterians, Lunarville Seven Inches, Noose of Ice, and The Launching. From September 1967, comic strips based on the series were printed in TV Century 21, published by City Magazines in association with Century 21. The comic had already featured Fireball XL5, Stingray and Thunderbird strips as well as crossovers between the three, indicating that they were set in a shared fictional world of the 2060s. Captain Scarlet was integrated into this setting. Elements of the new series, including Captain Black, had been introduced as early as June 1967. The initial Captain Scarlet strips were drawn by Ron Embleton, succeeded first by Mike Noble and then Jim Watson. After the TV series finished its original run, the comic continued the story of Spectrum and the Mysterians, with subsequent adventures showing that the Mysterians deactivate their city on Mars and relinquish their control over Black while Scarlet leaves Spectrum to fight Earth-bound threats. The Mysterians eventually reawaken, prompting Scarlet and Spectrum to resume their struggle. Captain Scarlet was also featured in TV 21 and Century 21 annuals for 1967, 1968 and 1969. In September 1969, the series was dropped from TV 21, the series' TV21 debut had been preceded by spin-off adventures in the sister comics Lady Penelope and Solo. In January 1967, Lady Penelope launched a comic strip about the Angel Pilots. This ran until May 1968 but introduced no elements of the Spectrum organization until August 1967. Solo printed two strips, the first from June to September 1967, the second, following a merger with City Magazine's TV Tornado, from September 1967 to February 1968. The first, The Mark of the Mysterians, bore little relation to Captain Scarlet besides featuring the Mysterians as villains, it was set in the 1960s and the presentation was similar to that of the Invaders. The second, simply titled The Mysterians, saw the aliens traveling to the Andromeda Galaxy on a campaign of conquest. After the series' discontinuation in Century 21 and City Titles, Polystyle Publications printed further strips in Countdown Comic and Annuals between 1971 and 1972. From 1993 to 1994, Fleetway Editions published a dedicated Captain Scarlet comic to coincide with the series' first run on BBC Two. New annuals were published by Grandreams in 1993 and 1994 and Carlton Books in 2001. In Japan, Weekly Shonen Sunday serialized a manga adaptation of Captain Scarlet between 1967 and 1968. A separate adaptation was published in Shonen Book from January to August 1968. Home Video The series' first VHS release in the UK was by Precision Video in 1982. Precision was later acquired by Channel 5 Video, 
which issued further Captain Scarlet cassettes over the course of the 1980s. Between 2001 and 2002, Carlton Video re-released the series in volumes and as a box set. These featured the remastered picture and sound quality that had been introduced for the 2000s repeats. The box set includes an extra tape containing Captain Scarlet, the indestructible, a behind-the-scenes feature. Since September 2001, Captain Scarlet has also been available on Region 2 DVD in both its original mono soundtrack and new Dolby Digital Surround Sound. Bonus features include audio commentaries by Jerry Anderson on two episodes, The Mysterians, and Attack on Cloudbase, as well as the five audio adventures from the 1960s. As with the VHS releases, the DVDs have also been released as a box set. This includes an extra disc featuring a production documentary, Captain Scarlet S.I.G., along with a set of five alternative title sequences. A Region 1 box set by A&E Home Video was released in 2002. In 2004, Imavision released a French-language box set for the Canadian market. On the series' 50th anniversary in September 2017, British company Network Distributing announced that it was releasing Captain Scarlet on Blu-ray disc with all episodes remastered in high definition using the original 35mm film negatives. The Blu-ray range was released between 2017 and 2018 both in volumes and as a box set. UK remastered VHS releases by Carlton Video. UK DVD first releases by Carlton Video. UK Blu-ray releases by Network Distributing. Video games. Between 2002 and 2006, three Captain Scarlet video games were released. A further game was cancelled. Later productions. Since the 1980s, the rights to the ITC catalog have changed hands a number of times. They were acquired first by Polygram Entertainment, then, following a partial sale to the BBC, by Carlton International. In 2004, Carlton merged with Granada to form ITV PLC. The rights to Captain Scarlet and other Anderson series now reside with its subsidiary ITV Studios. In the early 1980s, Robert Mandel and ITC New York combined several episodes of Captain Scarlet to create two compilation films, Revenge of the Mysterians from Mars and Captain Scarlet vs. the Mysterians. Promoted as Super Space Theater, these were broadcast on American cable TV with the aim of reviving transatlantic syndication sales. Other Anderson productions, including Stingray and Thunderbirds, received similar treatments. Released on British VHS in January 1982, Revenge of the Mysterians from Mars was Captain Scarlet's UK home video debut. In November 1988, it aired as the second episode of the movie-mocking series Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Minnesota TV station KTMA. Plans for a live-action film adaptation of Captain Scarlet, announced by Jerry Anderson in 2000 and 2002, remain undeveloped. Remake. In 1999, Anderson supervised the production of a computer-animated test film, Captain Scarlet and the Return of the Mysterians, to explore the possibility of updating some of his 1960s puppet series for a 21st-century audience. Produced by the moving picture company under the working title Captain Scarlet, The New Millennium, the four-minute film was made using a combination of Maya animation software and motion capture technology and saw Francis Matthews and Ed Bishop reprise the voices of Captain Scarlet and Blue. Set a few years after the Mysterians apparently cease hostilities against Earth, the film features the reappearance of Captain Black, setting the stage for a revival of the war with Mars. The film was screened at a Fanderson convention in 2000 and a science lecture in 2001. It was released on Blu-ray in 2017.
Plans for a full computer animated Captain Scarlet series eventually resulted in Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. A reboot of the original, this was first broadcast on the ITV children's show Ministry of Mayhem in 2005. In a nod to Supermarination, the animation used to make the series was promoted as Hypermarination. New Captain Scarlet was the last TV series to be produced by Anderson, who died in 2012. Stay tuned.